0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another bonus episode of Lockdown Guardians. Listen, my name is Jeff Ellis. Before I worked at Locked On, I was a lead draft and prospect analyst at Scout Twenty Four Seven. I live for this stuff. So that is, you know, if you're not watching the video component, you might not have heard. It's two in the morning. I'm going to do about an hour of recording, upload these, and then try to get like four or five hours of sleep before my kids are awake, and then try to power through next evening when the draft occurs. It is always fun. It is always exciting. But We don't have enough time. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever you get podcasts. I'm going to bring the energy. It might be late, but let's bring the energy and let's talk about it. Let's go right in. Pick number one, Baltimore Orioles. I think it's going to be Brooksley. Now, the awesome thing if this ends up being Brooksley, and the reason I really want it to be Brooksley, is that's who I picked on the last day of the season in my way too early mock. Uh, it's great when I get it. And the crazier thing about that way too early mock, I have four to five picks that legitimately could still happen. I have Kevin Prada going to the Nationals, Tamar Johnson going to the Marlins, Cole Anthony going to the Reds. Uh, there's a few other ones as well. It's it's ridiculous, but I might actually be able to get multiple picks right from that mock, which has never happened before. And again, that is something that I write on the evening after the baseball season has ended. Uh, if you hadn't checked it out, you can go check that out and uh, my big board over at MLB Draft. Oh, you know what? I should probably make sure I get the name right. Uh, (laughs) That's probably a good thing. Uh, MLBDraftNow.blogspot.com. That's just where I do my writing. I don't have an editor. It is what it is. I did go in and throw in. I realized I'd forgotten to throw in the added way too early picks for the teams that made the playoffs. I typically reveal them as teams get eliminated, but there wasn't time. But yeah, I had Brooks lead to them, and the logic stands. If you're going to go for a hitter from the college group, he's the guy who stands out. It's a safe profile. And there's not a... There's an outside, very small chance this is he sticks it short. And Baltimore has no shortstop prospects really in their system. So looking at all of that, and then let's be honest. What made me shift to feeling very certain? Vegas shifted. Vegas had him at a plus 850, and he was up to a minus 350 uh, last time I checked on a Saturday. So yeah, the Vegas shift, along with the fact it always made sense. And in this class you know, Baltimore's got a lot of picks. They traded and acquired picks. They, you know, it's interesting to look at just the, the amount of trades for draft picks. It's definitely a high this year. Atlanta got the 35th pick from a trade, and then Baltimore got 67, Tampa got 71. That's three trades right there. Uh, I'm not going to get into the compensation picks, pick 75, 76, 77, 78, 79, and 80. Uh, for all of those kind of later picks, I'm going to have a complete list that you can again, go find at MLB draft, uh, MLB draft But to go back into it, Lee Vegas is on it. It always made sense. It made sense at the end of last year. So I feel pretty good there. Number two D backs, Andrew Jones. Sorry, D backs fans. You have a lot of picks. You'll so get more discussion. If he doesn't go one, it's assured he goes two. But then again, a year ago, we were assured that the Tigers wanted uh, Marcello Mayer as their guy. He was their guy, but there's just no way he was going to get to him. Then he got to him, and they didn't draft him. So <laughs> crazy things can happen. Let's just be honest. But right now, that seems safe. Three, the Rangers. We're seeing things, all sorts of different things. I'm seeing multiple play- people say they're off college bats. Multiple people saying that they are on college, uh, the college hitters. I just want to point out the Rangers, because of their free agent spending, actually do not have a large pool. They have the 14th highest pool in this year's class. It's actually smaller than the Guardians pool. So taking Jackson Holiday, who's rumored to have the number two asking price in this class, might not be what they want to do. And their front office has been extremely conservative. So I'm going to stick with Kevin Parada there. They, you know, catching a guy who can move through the system, hit for power, and be nowhere near as expensive as a draft pick, I think it makes a lot of sense. And again, I had them on a prep hitter. No, I had them on Jace Jung way back in the day on my way too early mock. A a college guy just fits what they've done traditionally uh, as well. Moving on to the Pirates here at four. Cam Collier has been linked to them. I like Cam Collier quite a bit. He is also viewed to be a cheaper sign amongst that upper tier of players. I think he's probably going to be a little bit lighter than Tamar Johnson, but I think whichever one of those guys is lighter is who the Pirates take so they can come back and do what they did last year and swoop in on a lot of players and try to get three to four guys that were you know top 40 prospects in this draft class. Uh, his age fits with models. They went for a lot of high ceiling. Uh, I've com- comped him to Cabron Hayes a lot of times, so yeah, it makes sense for him to go to the Pirates. Five, the Nationals. What has been the Nationals' approach over the past few years, uh, you know, a lot of times people think, oh, they like ceiling, or they they have the history with the injured players. No, they like guys whose stock has has taken a fall. They'd like to take falling talent, and it's often like their board is based off of, uh, you know, they don't get moved as much in the draft season. Who is the falling talent? Who is the name there? Well, it should be no surprise the name who's most commonly linked to them, if it's not Parada, is Elijah Green, because that's who that guy was. That was the player that a lot of people debated. Instead, he's a generational talent. Now, if you go back to my way too early board, I had him going two, not one. Obviously, he wasn't generational talent. He got that overhype that we often see with prep pro- players. He's not a bad prospect. Uh, there is the swing and miss concerns that could cause him to slide, but right now, uh, he just makes too much sense at five. So, then what happens with the Marlins at six? I'm going to, here's the warning to you listening on the podcast I'm increasing recording volume because it looks low. So, if you're listening to the audio, just know it's shifting a little bit right now. So at six, we had the Marlins. Oh, too much. I'm shifting it back down. Hopefully, uh, okay, six, we have the Marlins. That looks like a better overall shape here, as I'm messing with. With the production on this. But at six, we, as mentioned, Marlins. They took the sliding shortstop a year ago. They moved things around to make it work. Khalil Watson's had his ups and downs. We'll be honest. You know, the suspension, some of the immaturity. But I think you just take the top player, and it's Holiday. And I don't think they're a team that's really going to have a hard time. I in terms of moving money around they have multiple picks as well they'll get it together and it's going to work out and Holiday is just too good of a prospect for them to not grab him there this is where it gets maybe crazy if you listened on my personal YouTube when I didn't mock it got crazy at one with uh, my last two mocks have not had Drew Jones going one so we'll see I am really I guess going over what I've always done I'm going with history over smoke but at seven the Cubs the Cubs have been linked to a lot of High cost guys in round two and round three. Now Tamar Johnson is a guy they've been linked to. I think you know, there was a talk that Cam Collier and Cam Collier also supposedly doesn't have the biggest demand, but I've also seen them linked to Zach Neto from Campbell, and he's going to go somewhere in this top ten. I firmly believe that uh, the Vegas odds on him. These are probably my favorites. Vegas, you know, over at our good friends at Bet Online. Uh, you know why don't we take our first commercial break, and I will make this the the commercial break for the show right here. So our good friends over at Bet Online have you covered for all things, including draft prop bets. And we mentioned Zach Neto's draft position in this draft. The under twelve and a half or over twelve and a half, and the the under is getting negative one hundred and fifty, the over one hundred and ten. From what I understand, that means that most people think it's going to be under twelve. I agree with that position. I think. That is where he goes. I think it is a very good chance he goes in the top 10 here. By the way, if you're curious over at our good friends at BetOnline, uh, what they have for number one overall pick, Brooksley, negative 325, Drew Jones, 275, Holiday, plus 500, Tamar Johnson, plus 800. I went there when I wanted my odds, when I wanted to look and get insight into this draft. If you want insight, information, news, anything you need, go to our good friends over at BetOnline.net. That is BetOnline.net. They're where I'm going for information during this draft season. It's where you should go as well. Okay, so that explains why Neto there. One, he's widely viewed as a top 12-ish player in this class. And, you know, he's performed well. He performed in the Cape. Yeah, he's a small school guy, but a lot of people really like him. And Chicago might look to take a big haircut, as they like to say. And, again, I'm going to talk about this way. What people need to understand, it's not that they're drafting a lesser talent. I mean, they are, but when you draft a guy like Neto and recoup those savings, it's like trading down. They are trading down in the draft. They are going to use that money in round two on a very expensive player. And when we get to that in the mock, you'll see who that player is. But yeah, I think they are a team that is going to look to save some money with that pick, which means it sets up the Twins to take Tamar Johnson. I think they're going to be the team that pounces. I think they could also be a team, honestly, on Dylan Lesko as well. I saw Keith Law had a crazy one about Ivan Melendez there. That would be the... I hope that happens. Uh, I mean, I really like Ivan Melendez, but he's not a top 10 guy in this class, even to his biggest supporters. He's like, you know, I've seen some people put him in the teens and I, I can understand the logic with that. I don't have, I wish I had all the exit velocity and all of that data that others have. I don't. So instead, you know, I look through this numbers. I take what little data I can find and I was able to find some, but that would be even for anyone who's a fan, a high pick. But in this case, Tamar Johnson Arguably the best pure hitter in this class uh, outside of Brooksley. I, I'm not going to say a high school kid's better than a proven college performer at this point in time, but he's you know just exceptional. There's questions about position, uh, the size, but he's just he's a hitter, and I think they will gladly take the top hitter in this class and then just move on. The Royals at nine have been linked heavily to Justin Crawford, and I know a lot of people are a little bit surprised. They have been extremely pitcher heavy. And Crawford is kind of a bit of a reach. We go back to our good friends at Bet Online. They have Justin Crawford. I thought I saw him. His is over and under at 14 and a half, which is interesting that they have him at that. So maybe I am not with the best of information. That would more imply that he's going with one of the Mets picks. But we'll talk about the Mets selections in a bit. Uh, if it plays out this way, if they went with Justin Crawford, it almost makes me think like Oh, you know, it's like the the bet on line people. It's like maybe I think Gavin Cross will go this high. But the Crawford connection makes sense. They went under slot with this similar um, slot value a year ago. And Crawford would be, from what I understand, he's viewed as an under slot pick here. High ceiling player. It's not a great prep class. The, as, the one thing I can say, the great thing about doing these mocks is, is as when you are forced to kind of go down the board and be like, oh, I think this team would typically go for a prep hitter like around here. You get to that point and you're like, wow, this group fell off quickly. If you want to get that prep hitter, you got to get in round one. You want to get in the comp round, early round two, it falls apart. Taking Crawford here allows them to come back and get a prep arm. Prep arms are going to slide. So if they like a certain prep pitcher, they can come back and get them later prep hitter you're not going to get that so going under slot here and we know they like bloodlines they like those high performers there's some similarities with like the bobby witt situation very different players in terms of draft rating but still Rockies at 10 brock porter has been a common uh you know rumor there Uh, just about every college bat uh jace jung gavin cross but jacob barry uh it seems like a natural fit (laughs) they drafted many a first baseman he is a high college performer Uh, yeah, I don't know if anyone really knows what the Rockies are going to do. They've been very prep focused the past few years after, um, being, but it it was only in round one. They've been mostly a conservative drafting team. So I kind of view that as, Hey, it, it makes some sense, but I wouldn't be shocked if it ends up being a bit of a surprise. So next at pick 11, we have the New York Mets. That is of course the Kumar Rocker selection mean it's interesting because Brock Porter's positioning uh, is 12 and a half. Now, this is the 11th pick, and he is actually minus on both positions, over and under. Uh, so there's a lot of people who see both here. The Mets have been heavily connected with Porter. Uh, when Epler was with the Angels, he liked to go upside. He liked to go ceiling. The prep class doesn't have necessarily a high, high ceiling guy. Now that Crawford's off the board, I think if Crawford's on the board, he makes sense here, which, you know, again, I think this is kind of his range. But with him off the board, the high ceiling prep player who's not hurt is Brock Porter. Put him up there. Tigers at 12. They seem to be connected to college bats. Gavin Cross or Jace Jung. Jace Jung's bet online line number is 13 and a half. So that's, you know, an interesting one to look at because that's right about here. Uh, but I think Gavin Cross is the guy. He's the top 10 on most boards. Someone's going to slide. Gavin Cross, it is. Angels at 13. Everyone and their mother has Brandon Borea here uh, which means it's not gonna happen because like everyone and their mother had I think rocker a year ago and they ended up taking Sam Bachman but I think now we're the thought is they'll go with uh, you know uh, kind of a similar now Connor Prelip the college guy is a very similar build uh, as well to like Bachman but Borea is the guy that is in most places the Mets at 14 I feel if they go pitcher they're definitely gonna go bat. Jace Jung right there his bet online position is 13 and a half for the over under and right now uh, most people are betting the under so I could be wrong here I'm this is the one I'm going strongly against but yeah uh, Jace Jung I think if he's still there he makes some sense to the Mets uh, just as a complete hitter not necessarily Epler profile but they've been connected to so many college bats I'm buying in at this point Continuing this kind of speed round, seeing how many picks we can get in. That's why I spent the time to write it all out beforehand. After the Mets, we had the Padres. Now the Padres have been prep heavy. You know, uh, Jackson Merrill, I believe, was the shortstop. They took a few. uh, Was that last year actually? (laughs) Now that I say that, Uh, C.J. Abrams, uh, even Robert Hassel, it was uh, viewed as an up the middle player, an outfielder, potential center fielder, not a shortstop, but still up the middle, and they've been bigger guys. I've seen some Chet Williams chatter there. Every single one of those guys, even like the Abrams and Merrill, were big for shortstops, like 6'2", and 6'3". My co-host is just, he wants to sleep, and he is not happy with me for talking in his sleeping uh, place. But when you're looking at the bigger shortstop, it's Cole Young, and I don't think they'll be, you know, it's not like he's necessarily huge, but he kind of fits that model. He fits the value around this point in the draft. Uh, and I think for the Padres, you know, shortstops always retain value. It's either it becomes a player who you move to another position if shortstop is filled and, hey, you got a good bat, or you've got a valuable trade asset. And when you look at someone like Young versus Williams, Young being bigger is going to allow him to, more often than not, retain more value than Williams. I mean, yes, it comes down to performance, but there's always going to be sizes. There's always going to be teams that are not going to want to Uh, not going to place value on a (laughs) 5'8 guy, the Royals. Um, But, yeah, no, (laughs) of course not watching them draft Jet Williams now that I've said that. But, yeah, I think Cole Young makes a lot of sense based on their – they've been a very prep-heavy team. Uh, They have been a team that has gone with up-the-middle talent, and Young is there. So the Guardians at 15, (laughs) there's so many. It's it's funny because, you know, my connection with the Guardians, people always like, giving me info like, Hey, I talked with this former scout or, Hey, I heard from my buddy who, uh, has connections or, Hey, you know, this or that. So I do get a lot of, I get a lot of messages and some of them, you know, are people who do have, um, connections in the front office. So I, just, I do appreciate that. Uh, but in this case, looking at the board, uh, Cooper your is one of those guys that uh, has been connected here. Justin Campbell would be kind of like one of the, the haircut guys. If you're looking to go under slot, Drew Gilbert, I think has a chance to go here, both jet Williams still on the board. You know, they've gone. Um, I think Willie hood was the one who pointed out. They go like every, they go pitcher, batter, pitcher, batter, pitch. It's a batter year. And especially after adding so much pitching a year ago, not to say they won't draft pitchers, but I think they're in a position where if you're going to go with a bat, uh, it chased the louder, drew gilbert jet williams make the most sense if you're going arm it's campbell it's your it's hughes and i think they go bat and i think they go jet williams the up the middle shortstop who again if he's he's 5'8 if he was six foot one he's in the top he's in that upper tier of players he is gone uh in that grouping even if he was like 5'10 5'11 he's probably a top 10 prospect and gone so I can. They, this is a team that has liked advanced hitters. That's him. They like up the middle athletes. That's him. And they're not scared by size. So I think he makes a lot of sense for the Cleveland Guardians. Now that I've gotten through the Guardians, let's take our next break, come back, and talk about, you know, every pick after that. Pick 17 through however many we can get before we run out of time on today's show. And our next sponsor on today's show is built bar. You know, them, you love them, or at least if you don't know them, how do you not? If you've been a long time listener of my show, I love built bar. They send us stuff all the time. Uh, the newest flavors we got in the mail. Let me see if they're currently on sale on the website. Uh, toffee almonds back. That is a favorite orange dream sickle. They got the coconut brownie chunk. I'm probably going to put in an order of the toffee almond. Now that that is back, that has been a long time favorite going back to their first one. An orange dream sickle is very tempting. Uh, they always do coconut well for my birthday because I've signed up with them. They gave me 100 free points, which is the equivalent of like a dollar off my order. I know you're saying, but every dollar helps. And as that, every dollar helps. Remember to use our promo code LOCKED15. That's age of 15%. I use that with my orders. And I order from Build Bar because it's a product I love. It is a product I eat. It is a product I enjoy. It is the best tasting product. Protein bar for my money. And hey, even my picky four-year-old will try and eat a little Bilt Bar from time to time. She likes to try what I have, and most things she doesn't like. But she likes Bilt Bar because she's got good taste. Okay, so we got through the Guardians, which pick 16. Fun fact about that pick, uh, they've never picked 16th before in that franchise history. Phillies at 17. This is another one that we are seeing consistently. Kumar Rocker is the player there. I would be scared to death of him because I, I mean, if they're refusing to show me medicals, like right now I'm very tempted to update my big board and just pull him off. I wouldn't draft the guy if I couldn't see his medicals after what occurred a year ago. That's just, that's too much for me. But you know, the, the Mets have Dombrowski there. He's got a long, long history with Boris. I think there is a degree of trust and understanding with the two of them. And, I don't think they would burn each other uh, when it comes to the draft. So I think when there's that much smoke, there's probably fire, and it makes sense. You know, what do we know about uh, good old uh, Dombrowski? He likes big velocity and toolsy as Well, this is big velocity for sure. The Reds at eighteen, this is the last of our bet online guys. Daniel Susak is has a position of the over being plus one thirty five. At 17 and a half and the under being negative 175, I think he is sliding to a degree. And the thing I always caution is listen, I thought he was gonna be a top ten talent for me. I am afraid of Arizona. I'm afraid of Arizona and Arizona State players. It is just as scary as getting a guy from New Mexico. Balls carry there, guys perform better there. It's just how it is. You can't fully evaluate. like Kevin Newman and Scott Kingery are great current examples of top end talent. Uh, J.J. Maticiewicz, I think, you know, I saw he had a good day for the uh, Houston at one point in time this year. But yeah, it's it's a hard situation to evaluate him. Draft eligible sophomores also always make me a little leery if I'm being honest. But I think if you're the Reds, uh, he is the sliding talent. He makes a lot of sense. He's been connected there often. And then the Vegas odds just kind of slot him up to make sense right about there. So if you're curious, before I get to pick 19 here, sorry, Uh, athletics fans. Where did I have the most struggles in this so far? One debating the seventh and eighth picks between, uh, Neto and Johnson. I went back and forth a few times until I remembered about the Cubs and wanting to spend later. Uh, the Mets, I find are a little bit of a tricky spot for me. And then the Padres pick until I realized Cole Young was still there and then it became easy. And then right here at 19 with the A's listen we all know the approach of taking college talent now the problem with them is the last few college picks have not been the most successful you know kyler murray never played uh you know i was just looking at these numbers i should really pull it up but they've been linked almost entirely to college performers so far through this process and while i don't necessarily think that you know that's all they will do it it does make a little bit of sense because again the Unless they go prep arm, which they really haven't done that much, the distribution at this point in the draft probably favors, and especially with some of the sliding outfielders, it favors that. Uh, Logan Davidson, that was the other guy I couldn't think. The Clemson uh, player they took 29th overall, he's a little bit, I think, of a disappointment at this point in time in the minors to be a sub-800 OPS in AA. And then go back to 2017, Kevin Merrill, who's on his third team, Probably a career minor leaguer, and then I mean you go back. AJ Puck one more. Dalton Jeffries has a negative WAR. Richie Martin negative WAR. Yeah, Matt Chapman's worked out, but they've they're high school guys. Max Muncie, Tyler Soderstrom, uh, Austin Beck was a very high pick. I don't know if I'd say that worked out, but that's the interesting thing. The A's actually have gone from one of the best producing teams to not so much when it comes to the draft. But the guy they've been connected to is Dylan Beavers at points in time. It's one of the stronger connections we've seen in this draft and you know he fits a lot of models he's a model outfielder a lot of tools uh it's i don't he's he's like the fourth or fifth best college outfielder on the board i I also would say like drew gilbert i feel like is rising i just don't have a natural spot i don't know if this is the best fit either but they do like up the middle athletes part of me is now talking myself into it it's like you know the the team that drafted guys like jamel Weeks and uh, I'm just, you know, the the string of really athletic, fast guys that they took a while in, you know, in that range. But for now, uh, I'll go with the, the consensus with Beavers. Braves at 20. The Braves went out this week and wanted more money. What player could they be trying to get more money to get? Well, the two that stand out would be Dylan Lesko. And if not Dylan Lesko, then what about Kate Horton? Now, they have mostly gone with college performers uh, under... Alex A. I'm not going to butcher his name. I'm just going to say Alex A and move on. I think if they're going out to get money, uh, Horton, who made himself a lot of money with what he showed in the College World Series, there are going to be people who say that he's the best college pitcher in this class. Uh, It's hard. I mean, then again, it's not that hard of a class to say that. Uh, And I think he is, gosh, is he really my first college pitcher off the board? Yeah, it's just a group that's okay but not, and, and there's there's a good range of okay, which makes it a little bit you know harder to really jump in. But what Horton showed, uh, the Braves saw something they liked recently. Went out and traded away three prospects to go out and get a high comp pick to add some money to their pool. And Cade Horton being on the board and with their preference for college performers, I just couldn't look past that. That makes too much sense to me. Cade Horton right there. Mariners at twenty one. This will probably be our last one. So they have taken a lot of college arms. They've been connected with um, you know, college everything. And outside of Henry Ford a year ago, this is a team that was maybe the most conservative drafting team in the, in, the, in the entire draft. What's interesting is their top prospect far and away was their second rounder, Edwin Arroyo, who I was a big fan of. I thought the Guardians would be all over him just because he fit a lot of their models. Good on Seattle for landing him. So who makes sense here? Looking through that college outfielder group, and there's almost all of them. <laughs> Pick your poison. Seattle has, under DePoto, taken a lot of small school performers. Logan Gilbert, uh, George Kirby, they have not been afraid of small schools. Chase DeLotter could easily go almost 10 picks higher than this. You know, To the right model-based team, he might be a top 10 player in this class. I have him like 12, I want to say. Uh, you know, Maybe it'll pop up on my little streamer behind me. Uh, Where are we, actually? Nope, I'm not close to where DeLotter is. Uh, And if you're not watching this on YouTube, go subscribe on YouTube. You can see my big board as it goes by. I'll make some decisions if I want to update it or not uh, before draft night. But they're not afraid of the small school guy. He's a big player, young for the class, tools for days. Quote-unquote had a bad year, but no, (laughs) he had a good year. He struggled against two really funky left-handed pitchers in Mezik and Hubart, who everyone struggled against. If you're going to base that weekend off of that, I, I don't know what to tell you. You're looking for him to fail in those cases. Uh, some of the metrics are really good from what I understand. Some of those advanced, like Trackman data is strong on him. I think he makes a lot of sense here. And again, they're not afraid of the small school guy at all. So yeah, I think at pick 21, Chase lotter And... Here, we'll do one more pick. We'll make this one go pretty quickly. Uh, 27, 22, the Cardinals. I debated a lot. I had Drew Gilbert here, Cooper Herjurpe. They've been more model-based. Gabriel Hughes was one of the best pitchers in college baseball at missing bats a year ago from Gonzaga. Smaller, hat, smaller school guy, relative with Gonzaga, you know, but uh, still just 20 years old, so he fits those age models. Some similarities with Michael McGreevy from a year ago, but a higher ceiling, I think, than McGreevy. I think he's a good, uh, I mean, yes, he's not as high on my board as pick 22. But this is, these guys are all so close together. Honestly, it's like the tiers kind of come together at this point in time. And I think he makes a lot of sense. Like you look at what they did a year ago, you look at uh, what he did. And yeah, I have him going 22 to the Cardinals. We got 22 done in episode one. We're going to cut, drop, put this all in come back, do episode two. I've been Jeff Ellis. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Jeff MLB draft, especially tomorrow. I'm going to be free flowing and going all day. I got four podcasts <laughs> on during the draft itself. Uh, remember to rate and review, download daily. It helps subscribe on the YouTube and the iTunes and the Spotify. Spotify is, is passing iTunes on everything. So yeah, check that all out. And again, as I end every show, go, go guardians, go, even when it's a bonus episode.